John Podcast Network. You gonna repeat that for posterity? No. <laughs> okay. I'll blackmail me if they try harder than that. Old sport. Oh boy. <laughs> it's weird because like different adaptations were set at slightly different times. And this one very specifically uh, name drops uh, 1922. Yeah. And this in the year of our Dark Lord, 2022. Yeah, 100 years later. Yeah, it's weird. Cool. Yeah, so. We're on a roll. So uh, I guess we should, you know, talk to the audience for a second. Um, you know, the last episode, we were like, hey, it's a bonus. We just felt like doing a little bit more boz because we had watched Australia. We liked it. Yada, yada. Okay. If you didn't listen to that episode, go listen to it. And the two before it. Because this is turning into a complete Boz Lerman feature film miniseries. It's only five episodes. Uh, you know, five films. So we figured, fuck it. Yeah. And I kind of, I'm just, I got curious. I'd never seen this. Um, and I'd never seen uh, next episode as well. Uh, I just, you know, I was like, you know what? Like, Me I, either. He's kind of a, an, a director that I generally like. I don't know. I should just check out these other two movies, right? Like we've discussed previously, there's definitely pros and cons to everybody. Yeah, everything. Yeah, that's true. It's the thesis of our show. There's pros and cons to everything. Yeah, and nothing really matters. So you let's find, just joke about it. You can find <laughs> some real clunkers in movies that are otherwise perfect, and you can find like genius moments in absolute trash. Yeah, um, and everything in between. Yes, it's actually worse when it's just like, oh, that was fine. This that was a tepid bath of a film. Yeah, that's that's actually worse. I think it's going to offend less people, but it's also going to inspire less people. So oh, totally. But yeah, so we're continuing loving with Lerman, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to see if there was a way I could pour <laughs> lumping it all in with Lerman. Yeah, I mean, we just yeah we we decided again. If this is your first time listening, if you're a big mm-hmm. you know Gatsby fan, um, and you're like, oh, let me check out what they have to say. We started February off doing two episodes. Uh, you know, Baz Luhrmann love story films, and one that Allison liked and I hadn't, and one that I liked and Allison hadn't, and then we, you know, were critically reappraising them, mm-hmm. and then we threw in Australia because I had picked it up at the at the thrift store, and now I'm like, you know what? Let's just finish it out. There's only two more films in his filmography. This is basically how we watched all the Beethovens. Yeah, kind of, well, no, that was different because I bought a box set. They yeah. were all right there. Yeah. So, yeah, this is Loving with Lerman, technically episode four of two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, turned, it was a two-part miniseries. Now it's a five-part, and this is episode four. Yeah. Hey, watch, great watch. Hey, watch, great watch. Hey, watch, great watch. I hate them all, but I just can't stop. about the great Gatsby, uh, Boz Luhrmann's adaptation of F. Scott Fitzgerald's novel. Yes. Uh, the film was released in 2013. Yes. Uh, the meme will live forever. It's a good meme. It is. It's so funny when it hits in the movie. And it's not just like, oh, I know that as a meme. It's like legitimately like great and funny in the movie, even if I'd never seen that as like a thing. Yeah. Uh, Boz knows when to pause 
like moments like that, especially like in, in Moulin Rouge, where everything kind of stops for a second. He does and a lot of the slowdown in this. Yeah. And I think it works better in this than it has in anything oh, else. He this for is me, for this me. is really him doing a lot of his same old tricks that we've seen before, but yeah, in yeah. a way that's so much like more thoughtful and composed yeah, than this, in previous films. Yeah, this seemed a lot more yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. It seemed a lot more, everything seemed purposeful and, like, well thought out. Yeah. When he was going to do these, like, he, you yeah. know. Like, he's, so, again, he's really learned how to use his tools here. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's the director's toolbox. Yeah. And every director has one. And, you know, there's variations on things because there's only so many things you can do with yeah. cameras and actors and right. shit. Right. Um, but it's basically stuff I like that right. I think looks good that I want to see in every movie. Right. So um, they're in know. my movie. Right. Yeah. And just like musicians have, you know. Their, their toolbox. It's like, oh, the Ramones. You're all, if you ever listen to a Ramones song, it's going to sound a certain way. I mean... <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody has a specific set of moves that they go to and they work for them or they don't or they refine them and I think this is Boz Lerman refining them. This yeah. is also his most recent film. Oh, yeah. Um, until, just announced, like, the this week, he's doing an Elvis movie. Oh, yeah. With Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom Parker. Yeah. That's going to be so wild. Yeah. I like we might do a like a fucking, you know, kind of on screen for that. Like if we can stream that when that comes out. I don't know if it's theatrical or if it'll be VOD or whatever. But if we can stream that when that comes out, we might do an emergency episode. Yeah. Um, Just because we've already done all the other Mm bosses. We got to. But I'm excited for that. So, yeah, this is his uh, his most recent film. Yeah. Uh, 2013's Great Gatsby. So let's talk about the book. You read it. So I read it twice in high school for school because I... Got kicked <laughs> out of school. No. Smoking cigarettes in the in the girls' room. Ugh, I wish. I mean, to make a long story short, I moved to North Carolina briefly for... To avoid the My law. dad's job. My entire family hated it except for the dog. The dog liked that the squirrels were fatter and slower. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> You've told me that. I forgot that. That's... <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. That's absolute 100% perfect dog. He still couldn't catch him, but it was closer. Right. Yeah. It felt like more of a sporting chance. Sure. Yeah. Read it in North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Read it in North Carolina. Came back. Moved back to Philadelphia within six months because we hated it, except for the dog, because the squirrels. And the dog stayed there. And I missed the unit on Macbeth, but was back just in time to have to read The Great Gatsby again. So this is like, (laughs) it's all thematically relevant because we've done... Boz Lerman's Romeo and Juliet, and we yeah. discussed our Shakespeare history. Yeah. Um, yeah, I read it uh, not for school. Um, somehow it never got assigned me in school. Uh, we reread stuff like The Giver, I remember reading. Yeah, uh, this is like junior high and high oh, school. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I, I'm lumping them all together because sure, it's around the sure, same sure. time. But like, yeah. The Giver, um, where the red fern grows. Yeah, um, that was summer reading. And oh, okay. uh, I specifically remember being, we, we were like cluster desked. And so it was, like, the first English class, like, back in school when we were going to talk about the summer reading. And me, quietly, to my little group, I was like, real talk, guys. Everybody cried reading this, right? And everybody's like, yeah. yeah. I'm like... That's why that book I, exists. I, yeah, I think it's just to make sure that if you haven't had a death experience, yeah. you're going to get one altogether. Yeah. <laughs> so that you have some sort of notion of feelings of loss. Yeah. By a certain age. I think that's entirely why we read that. Yeah. And I think it's summer reading so that, yeah, you can cry a lot. Yeah, yeah, you don't have a bunch of crying kids <laughs> right. in your classroom. Right. Uh, but we did read Catcher in the Rye in high school. That so, was assigned to us. 
so I did a lot of reading my friends' reading lists as well as my own reading lists because I was yeah. a big reader. Uh, and then also I liked talking about books with people, so... Yeah, yeah. It's like so. this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, we read Catcher in the Rye in high school, but I did not get assigned Gatsby. Um, I read that later because, like, it's a book that, because it's on so many fucking reading lists, ends up in a lot of thrift stores. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure I just saw it at a thrift store and was like, oh, it's like a dollar? Yeah, this is, you know, a famous book and I've never read it and I should check it out. And I read it a few years after, you know, high school, after having read Catcher in the Rye. And, I mean, I guess I'll put this up front. Like, if you're going to be a fucking loser, it's better to be a Jay Gatsby fucking loser, like a hopeless romantic, than it is to be some miserable fucking antisocial clown like Holden Caulfield. He's, in the book, so dismissive of other people, but also wonders why he's so lonely. And yeah. it's like, you know, dude, like, if you gave people he's the benefit the of the doubt He's the walking fucking embodiment yeah. of maybe it's not everyone else, yes. maybe it's you. Yeah. Great Gatsby is also a lot of fucking miserable people. <laughs> well, I mean, these books, uh, these books were written like a hundred years ago. Yeah. And they are therapy. Sure. Like they are how these authors dealt with what felt like, you know, very important revelations in their lives. Yeah. I, around that time, got very, very into Oscar Wilde. Who yeah. also likes to talk about how fucking stupid and pointless society is, but he's funny about it. And at least he's charming, is the, is the way I always feel. Well, felt. also, but, but Oscar Wilde is a guy. Yeah. He's real. Yeah. He's a real person. Yeah, that's true. And these these are, are fictional characters. They sure. are like the embodiments sure. of these particular foibles right. and psychoses and right. things. Like, right. And like occasionally there's some basis on, you know, some some real inspiration for somebody, but... Yeah, I should write a book about this, like, life-changing revelation. It's it's the reason that, like, everybody writes, you know, love songs. It's because, like, oh, when you, ha when you you know, you're like, oh, I, f I fell in love. Like, this feels brand new. And, you know, we talked about this in the Romeo and Juliet episode, but, like, these are huge feelings. They're not necessarily original, but they're brand new to you, and you think you might have a handle on them that, you know is worth sharing with people. Yeah, Oscar Wilde, less annoying, but also real. He's more of a rounded individual mm -hmm. um, because he was real. <laughs> yeah. All right. Jericho is here. If you hear jingling or purring, he does both. Yeah. You want to do the... Oh, yeah. Hello, excellent humans. Welcome to another episode of Hate Watch. Great Watch, old sport. I'm your host, Hunter Bush. I'm Allison Euclidus here with Jericho, our roommate's cat. Loud cat. <laughs> Uh, like I said, we're doing an episode on The Great Gatsby from 2013, directed by Boz Lerman, part four of two. Yeah. In our Lovin' with Lerman. I mean, this is a love story. It fits, like, um, so far, four for four, all, like, big love stories. Yeah, like, not knows, like, not like movies. to do, yeah. Yeah, not like movies that have a love story in them. Like, these are about love in a major way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, I haven't read this book in, in, like, probably close to a decade, and it was only the once, and I've never seen the film. So, yeah. uh, there was a lot of stuff where I was like, Oh, is that how this happens? Like, I, I don't I don't know how many changes there were made in the film from the book's, like, narrative or anything, but I, a lot of stuff seemed brand new to me. Oh, really? Or, or maybe it was clearer seeing it on screen than it was in yeah, from, my head. From my recollection, a lot of it was pretty faithful to the book, including even some of, like, the... Um, the, the the narration and dialogue and whatever being yeah, a lot exact one-to-one. -one. Yeah, a lot of the dialogue I recognized. Um, I think I read in uh, the Imdiba trivia that there was other 
pieces of dialogue ripped from a couple of other works by Fitzgerald. Oh, okay. Um, I think there were like Which two... is similar to what he did in Romeo and Juliet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think there were like a couple of like novellas or essays or something like that that were also contributing to the screenplay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, That's the only Fitzgerald I've ever read. It is. Same, same here. As we were going through the movie and getting towards the end, I'm like, man, I forget how this ends. And then it started happening. I'm like, oh, I remember how this ends. Yeah, I remembered how it ends. But yeah. like a lot of the, I mean, we'll get there, but the car switching. That is happens. That, is that from the novel? I'm pretty sure that happens. I didn't remember that. Yeah. And that, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it just, I did, yeah, it didn't register. Mm-hmm. I didn't remember the car being like yellow and standing out in such a way. Like I don't know. I that might have been added in for like clarity. It, it, yeah, yeah, it being able to read better visually. I don't remember it specifically being a yellow car, but it might have been. Yeah, yeah. I that it's just stuff like that where I was yeah. like, oh, I don't remember this being yeah. like like this. But I mean, also too, again, movies are a visual medium, and so yeah. doing things for purely aesthetic reasons is a good enough reason to do them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that yellow car is basically Gatsby's Batmobile. Yeah. It's the Gatmobile. Yeah. Gats. Gatsmobile. It's the Gatsmobile. Well, it doesn't really... Well, it's his old name. I... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to name the mobile after your last name. His name isn't Bruce Batman. Why not? Because then everybody would know. <laughs> as though most people already don't. Uh. Phil Spiderman. That's a joke from Friends. <laughs> Pivot. Pivot. I literally just showed you this like you yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> you never saw the Pivot episode. I didn't watch a lot of Friends. Yeah, it's fine. Like I, I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. Like a season and a half to two seasons are like, I think legitimately every episode is funny, and then after that it becomes kind of like sloppy. Mm-hmm. There's good stuff. Yeah. But it's not as reliable. Yeah. And then the last couple seasons are pretty rough. I remember Joey and Chandler getting a lot of ducks or something. Yeah, that's those are good seasons. Yeah. That's like the second season, I think. They have a chick and a duck. A chick and a duck, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's good. It's just like weird, dumb shit. It's, you know. The line for me, when it, when it starts to de- notably decrease in quality, is when they make Chandler a main character. Yeah, and then he's not just like sassy in the background and stuff. Right. They, they're, actually have, like, they're trying to write him the wants. same, but make him be somebody you'd want to spend time with. Mm-hmm. And you can't, can't be both, because that's not what we liked about that character. Right. The the big steep drop off is like the last season when they're like, you know, we should pair up Joey and Rachel. And it's just like, why? Cause they haven't been paired up before. Like that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. And they try to justify it a million ways. And it just always felt like you could see them trying. Mm-hmm. So that's my friend's minute. Save that for our side podcast. Uh, binge watch, cringe watch. Uh huh. So, uh, I mean, broadly the plot of the film, it's narrated, by Nick, who's played by Tobey Maguire, one of the Spidersmen, mm-hmm. um, Phil Spiderman, yeah. <laughs> OG Spiderman. Yeah, yeah. Not the OSG. No, not the OSG. But I mean, like, they did like what uh, reboot every like five to ten years. Yeah, he's he's the he's the he's the OG modern Spiderman. Yes. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and that was that was good. entirely why I didn't watch any of the Andrew Garfield ones. Was that they were announcing that they were coming out, and I was like, it's been too soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. Yeah. I mean, that was the that was the death knell. We didn't know it at the time. That was the death knell of modern cinema. <laughs> when it was just like, oh, yeah. y- you know, remember the old showbiz adage of you got to go away to come back? Like, mm-hmm. that's like a famous expression. And Hollywood was like, but what if we don't? What if we just convince everybody that they need to see this same story told every five years? Mm. The other reason it worked with 
Batman for me was because I was such a Batman fan because my first exposure to Batman was the animated series, which turns out is just the best Batman. Also, it was like 10 years from the last... Um, like the Schumacher... Schumacher Batman to the first Nolan. Yeah. I mean, like, there's other Batman... Which I would argue is still too soon, but I went for it anyway. But it also it also looked different. It was a totally different take. Yeah. That's that's very true. It, it didn't feel like oh we're they're just they yeah. waited ten yeah. years to put out another one that feels exactly the same and that's kind of how the Spider Mans felt. And they end up being a little bit different I think, but yeah. and then like you can't avoid the Tom Holland Spider Man because he got fucking backdoor piloted into you know into films by having him show up in Civil War. It's like oh well I have, he's already in movies now he, he snuck in here. Yeah, you know it's like I, I yeah. can't even argue because yeah. he's already what, a thing. Whether or not you wanted to see another Spider Man. Here you go. And honestly, they're not bad. No. Um, the Andrew no, the Garfields. Tom ones are good. The Andrew Garfields, I cannot stand. I watched about half of both of them. Okay. I again haven't seen either, so I can't make an opinion. I kind of like him as an actor, but not in those movies. I don't like his Peter Parker. I think it's a terrible take on Peter Parker. Mm. He's kind of a prick. He's a Holden Caulfield Peter Parker, and that's not what I want. Yeah. I want a Jay Gatsby Peter Parker. Yeah, that's um, actually surprisingly. Uh... Thank you. Send cookies and flowers to P.O. I'll, do the, I'll drop the P.O. box in. Send it to Movie John, Attention HWGW, P.O. Box 20172, Philadelphia, PA 19145. Drop the P.O. box in here. Good. Um, yeah, narrated by Nick. Yeah. Tobe McGuire. Yeah. Tobe. And old Seabiscuit himself. That's right. He was the Seabiscuit. <laughs> he was also in Seabiscuit. He, he played Seabiscuit. No, he didn't. Yeah, and then he was replaced by Andrew Garfield. Oh, boy. Who's kind of... Seabiscuit. What if Seabiscuit was an asshole and you didn't want to be friends with him? Yeah. And then Seabiscuit showed up in uh, Avengers Infinity War. I saw Seabiscuit as soon as it hit my video store, and I cannot remember that movie very well. Yeah, I never saw it. It's... I don't think there's enough that happens. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we got to watch it again. I don't know. But I remember it being like, oh, it's so, you know so great and the acting and it's so great and i just it's you know it's horses horses that's fun yeah but what you see what you didn't realize as a as a young fool was mm-hmm. that none of those those horses were all played by toby mcguire uh-huh. his mocap uh-huh you're gonna make me ride myself right man toby mcguire and don knotts my impressions are very similar yeah, well. andy it's me toby mcguire like it's really not that far off he could be the modern don knotts what I also find a little crazy is that he doesn't seem to age. He's no, one of he, those actors that yeah. like perpetually looks like honestly, in his late twenties, early thirties. Honestly, DiCaprio is in that same thing. Oh, like, he's oh boy. He, I mean, in this, he looks. He's the, got a little bit of like yeah, crow's feet. Yeah, he's got a little and wear and tear. It. Yeah, like, but he's, he he looks the same physically. The same. Yeah. He doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, he and Tobey Maguire are like weirdly ageless dude. I mean, like yeah. not a hundred percent, but very gently aging. Yeah. Good for them. Good for you. Yeah. Same boat, honestly. You? Yeah. Yeah. I still get carded. I yeah, it's uh it's yeah, book ended. Toby Maguire is in uh sanitarium, um, where he is drying out from um morbid alcoholism. Yeah. Which I was like, that's a pretty good band name. <laughs> I guess. It's a little bleak. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But like there's a lot of bleak band names. Napalm Death. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. not exactly a it's bad. sunshine, lollipops, and napalm death and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of, let's say, aggressively unfriendly band names. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and morbid alcoholism is at least kind of fun. Sure. Sounds like they're like a, they're like a death metal band that has like a jug. <laughs> like maybe a washboard. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> like okay. Psycho Billy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that might be a good bit. Anyway. Um, but I was like, cause that's like a, a very twenties term, you know? Sure. And when that, when the doctor like checked that box off or whatever, I was like, wow, okay, we're starting this, uh, this film off swinging. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the early part of the film is uh, Tobey Maguire staring longingly like Jack Donaghy out of windows at the past. Like, yeah, it's wild. It's, it's, it's like such a weird performance. Cause yeah, most of his performance early on is him staring out of windows. Yep. Um, and then it's a winter window fading into summer. Yeah. As he recollects the summer of 1922, which I wonder if that's in the book at all. Like it's winter. And then like I'm flashing back to summer. Cause like, it's very of the, the theme of the the Gatsby's whole thing of like, you can't, you can't return to the past. And you know, yeah, I don't recall that specifically. Yeah. yeah, I I was just curious about that. So, cause I feel like the narration was kind of added in, like it wasn't that direct. Yeah. I don't know. You know, yeah, but. But anyway. Yeah. Um, and he, yeah, he recollect. Do you know how long, how long before? It's a few years f- from the sanitarium. How long into the past he is uh, reminiscing? Oh, uh. Is it like ten years, five years, two? I don't know for sure. Now I um, felt like it was like two to five years. Like yeah, it was, they, it was they, recent, but not. They may have mentioned it. But the only thing that they said repeatedly was that uh, Gatsby and Daisy hadn't seen each other in five years. Yeah, so yeah that's, that's the one I remember. That's the important, like, right. yeah, timeline. Right. right. But anyway, so he's flashing back to the recent past. To a summer he spent in a cape. Not wearing a cape, but, like, on a cape. Like, the, the land mass. Yeah, what is it? It's, uh, West Egg and East Egg? Um, yeah, I don't know. His cousin is Daisy. Daisy is married to Tom. Uh, and across yes, the Daisy Faye. Well, she was Daisy Faye. She's Daisy Buchanan now. Yes. And, and Tom, Tom Buchanan because she's married to Tom. Like I said, and then across the bay is where uh, Nick lives, right next door to the infamous Mister Gatsby, who he has never seen, but always has these big swinging parties. The whole house, giant cast castular house, uh, is lit that up. A word. <laughs> yeah, it means like, like a castle. Um is lit up from cellar to spire or whatever he says at one point. Um, Tobey Maguire is a good choice for this character because Nick is by choice bystander. Yeah. Like the, 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 I remember this in the book and then in the movie, it's somehow more frustrating maybe because I'm older and, but like he just stands around and just like lets things happen and says and does nothing. Right. He never intervenes in any way, shape, or form. And, like, some things couldn't probably be helped. Other things, maybe. Yeah. He could have changed things. But he just stands around being like, hmm, interesting. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's extremely passive. Yeah. Which is good for a narrator because he tells a good story. He gets all the details right. Right. Because he's too busy being like, his pocket watch was like this, as opposed to being like, I stopped him from getting shot. Right. <laughs> Yeah. I was too busy writing about his pocket watch. But yeah. I think Tobey Maguire's good casting for that because you buy him, as, I mean, like, it's the same reason he was cast as Peter Parker. You buy him as kind of a wimp, somebody who wouldn't speak up. Mm-hmm. Somebody, you know, like if they cast Channing Tatum as this guy, you'd be like, this is an example. I don't buy this. Right. 
Channing Tatum wouldn't throw a, hey, bro, everybody calm down out there during this all this Michigas? No. Mm-hmm. But Tobey Maguire, you believe he's just going to keep nursing his, uh, you know, whiskey on the rocks and hope everything ends up, like, resolves itself for the best. And then also there's Jordan. And Jordan uh, plays golf. She's in there to, you know, round out the numbers. Uh, and then, I mean, also to kind of, <laughs> <That's> yeah. <good. laughs> but also be kind of like a, a plot device. In, yeah, she's know. she's a, she's a link yeah. between, like, Daisy and... Nick and Daisy Gatsby. and Nick and Daisy and Gatsby. Yeah. Like, yeah, she's there to facilitate this. And, like, it's much the same way that Gatsby uses Nick to do it. But, like, from a story perspective, that's her... Yeah, her function. Her, yeah, function. Yeah. Um, she's played by Elizabeth Debicki. Yeah. Famously very tall. Yeah. And in this, she gets she's to be good. pretty tall. Yeah. Um, that's that's a big meme is like, let Elizabeth Debicki be tall. Yeah. Because um, in a lot of movies, she doesn't get to. Oh, you know, okay. Yeah. They'll shoot her in such a way that she is like, quote unquote, average height, yeah. you know. Um, well, also, and in this, she's at least as tall, if not taller than um, Tobey Maguire in most of their scenes. And then yeah. I think she's as tall as DiCaprio. We're also specifically choosing people who have that like flapper, uh, you know, sort of like lithe androgynous body type. Yeah, that's part of like she gets to be like tall and lean and yeah. beautiful in a very frosty way. Well, she is extremely yeah. frosty. She's also quite beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's a pretty lady. Yeah. Carrie Mulligan also. Yes. I've I've had a crush on Carrie Mulligan for like a long, long time. Mm-hmm. She was in some weird love triangle movie, in, in, independent movie, like a long time ago. Oh, so a different one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it might have been very similar. I don't remember how it played uh-huh. out. Let's talk about Daisy a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like she's a. Oh, oh, and I wanted to say Tom is Joel Edgerton. Oh, um, yeah, who Hunter thought looked a lot like Conan O'Brien. He looks there. like Conan O'Brien in this movie. I've seen Joel Edgerton in a film or two, but something about his fucking mustache and hair combination, even though Conan famously extremely ginger, um, and Joel Edgerton has, like, brown hair, but oh. the, the, the pomp, like, curl hairstyle and something about his weird mustache made him look more like Conan O'Brien, a man who famously, he's not famous for ever having a mustache. It was so weird, I couldn't stop seeing it, and it distracted from the entire rest of the film. For you. For everyone, I think. No, I was fine. You're obviously not a big Conan fan, that's fine. Conan, if you want to come on the podcast, I'll make sure Allison's busy that day, because she's oh, not a big fan. boy. I like Conan, I didn't watch him nearly as I long like as you him. did. I like him. Not Conan is the greatest non-fictional late night host. I didn't know he's not the greatest late night host is uh... Johnny Carson. <laughs> no, well, yes, Pro- actually, I'm, I'm it's probably, probably Johnny Carson. Probably Johnny Carson. You uh, were gonna say Craig Ferguson. Yeah, Craig Ferguson is who I was gonna say. Craig Ferguson, close second. Okay. They're both beaten. All three of them beaten by Space Ghost, but he's fictional. Sure, but no, I didn't watch a lot of late night before we were dating. So, Daisy. Daisy. One of my English teachers, when we were reading this book, asked uh, the girls specifically, like, oh, what did you think of Daisy? And, you know, all of us being in the early 2000s and kind of woke and, you know, waiting to get out of high school to go do big things, we're like, oh, she seems terrible. Like, can't make up her mind and, you know, is, like, overly fragile and everything. Our teacher's like, you know, oh, that's, you know... I can't believe that because when I was a girl, everybody wanted to be Daisy. Yeah, kept woman with two men, two rich hunks fighting over her. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess that's 
fine if that's your aspiration, but like it's so one dimensional. It is, and, but it's also sadly a lot of people's fucking aspirations. Right. Well, what was funny though was watching this. Carrie Mulligan actually makes her kind of likable in a way that I didn't experience with either the book or I want to say the '76 adaptation. I've never seen any other adaptations of this. Uh, we watched it in one of my English classes, and it was fine, and just like the book, and yeah, yeah. didn't care. '74. Excuse me. Pretty close. Yeah, pretty close. Good job, me. Yeah. Um, and that was Robert Redford and Mia Farrow. Oh. And I didn't care for her performance in it. Uh, okay. it well, it was it was all the the stuff I hated about Daisy. Whereas at least in this, she kind of has moments of charm, even though at the end, you know, because of plot and everything, she ends up being so, such a cold hearted bitch. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, what the plot? Let's just okay. So spoilers, obviously, for this um, hundred-year-old novel, and uh, it's like a ten-year-old film. Ten-year-old film, hundred-year-old novel. I'm rounding. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So the plot is that Jay Gatsby, first of all, not his real name. We'll get to that. But he is like rich, very lonely. Throws these elaborate parties, not because he's a, a social butterfly and loves to entertain. He throws these parties in the hopes that Daisy, who lives across the bay, will show up at one because fucking the whole, you know, cape ends up showing up at them because they all know it's happening. And he just kind of hopes that she'll show up because he knows her from earlier in his life before he made his fortune. Yada, yada, yada. We'll get into all that. Um, He befriends Nick, our narrator, our main character, because he knows that Nick knows Daisy. They're cousins. So he thinks that Nick would be a good in to get, you know, closer to Daisy to, you know, because just waiting to see if she'd show up at a party hasn't worked. So now he's trying to find an inroad. He does sort of the same thing with Jordan, but I guess maybe he already knows, or maybe she tells him that like, oh, well, you know, Nick's her cousin. So you might have better luck with that. Um, and Tom is a piece of shit. Daisy's husband, Tom is racist. Yeah. Uh, he's a dick. He's having an affair, but, and you know, you'd think he would be like, oh, cool. Like, I have my side piece, and because she's married, um, we're talking about you know her splitting up from her husband and us getting a place together and whatever. So like, fine, I'll just dissolve my marriage to dumbass Daisy, and I'll go off with my hot side piece and whatever. But it's all bullshit because he's a scumbag. Well, and I mean also, you know, usually the the guys that have like you know serious mistresses and stuff. Yeah. The the point is not to be fair to everybody. The point is getting you know having your cake and eating it too. His mistress, Myrtle. Myrtle. Uh, Can you imagine having a mistress named Myrtle? Sounds like a goddamn uh, Tom Waits song. Yeah. <laughs> you know, her and her husband own, like, an auto body shop or yeah. whatever and live in, like, the, like, coal firing area. The wrong side of the track. Sure. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He wouldn't marry somebody like that. He's, no, no, he's no. He's from, you know, one of the most wealthy and illustrious American families. No, I know. And, know. But that is what he is like telling her you know oh yeah she clearly thinks sure. that's in the cards sure so you think that's what that's why i said like you'd think it would be like oh okay cool like fine but that doesn't happen because tom's a piece of shit holy hell yeah but yeah i mean like yeah tom tom's a piece of shit and but i think he's portrayed as a piece of shit he's not portrayed as like no. oh a guy who has some good ideas and some bad ideas no well so i, I think mean... fitzgerald is coming down strongly on the side of eugenics is bad yeah again i said before <laughs> Everybody in this is terrible in different ways, and, you know. I don't know. Are they all terrible? I mean, Tobey Maguire's kind of a wimp. 
It's not terrible. I mean, okay, but you were saying that, like, it is extremely frustrating that he's it is. a, like, you know. It is extremely frustrating. And, yeah. like, he doesn't stick up for his cousin. He doesn't stick up for his his good friend, Jay Gatsby, who he, like, kind of loves. Like. Yeah. Has all you, this nice stuff to say about him and everything, but, you know. Right. Not so he's dead. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. And maybe, you know, like, he famously, you know, he turns to Jay as he's leaving the last time he saw him and he says, like. Jay, you're the best one. You're worth a thousand of them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in his uh, retelling of it, either in his directly in his diary or reading his diary to his uh, therapist, he says, like, I was always glad I said that to him, you know, blah, blah. And it's like, is he a reliable narrator? Yeah, Did he really say it was, that? It was the one compliment I ever paid to him, and I'm right. glad I said it. Right, and it's like, yeah. but can we trust him? Like, is he a reliable narrator? Do we know? Like, we don't know. But it doesn't make him a terrible person. It just makes him not a great person. Yeah, I mean, you know, and Daisy kind of really sucks, but like, like you said, she's more sympathetic in this. Carrie Mulligan does a good job of making her seem like a rounded individual Mm -hmm. um, and making her indecision seem less like it's a ruse on her part or something she had, you know, hoped just never would come up. Like, it, it really seems like, and this is my read on it, once Gatsby and Daisy start talking to each other again and they get reacquainted now five years after they've seen each other all this stuff quote unquote they are planning to dissolve her marriage to tom and live happily ever after yada yada she wants to run away but jay has spent all this time you know buying this house building this life and this reputation and you know setting up a life for himself here on the outskirts of new york city and so he doesn't want to run away. He doesn't want to, you know, throw all that to the wind and start over. Um, he thinks they can do it. Like, oh, no, no, we'll just, we'll just tell your husband how it's going to be. And he'll have to deal with it because you don't love him anymore. And you, you've never loved him. And you never see any of these conversations. It's yeah. all just implied. So it comes off more like it's Gatsby's, what Nick refers to as Gatsby's, like, eternal wellspring of hope. That like, oh, she she never loved him. She always loved me. When the truth is that she did love Tom. That's She wouldn't have married him if she didn't love him. She might not have loved him, you know, the way or as deeply as she loved Gatsby. But, you know, she wouldn't have uh, fallen in with him at all if she, you know, couldn't stand to be with him. So, But it, it more seems like that it's Gatsby sort of railroading her into agreeing with him. I mean, that's how I read it. That's that's Well, also, like, she's not very decisive or as willing to stick up for herself. No, no, no. Yeah. There is like a little bit of that with her sort of getting in his face when, uh, sorry, getting in Tom's face when Tom's mistress calls during dinner. Yeah. But like a lot of it is just, you know, her sort of like breezing around, I guess. (sighs) And like letting other people make decisions for her or, you know, and then culminating in, like, you know, the tragic ending. And yeah, not for her. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the tragic ending? We'll we'll talk about that. So, yeah, Gatsby's pressuring Daisy to, you know, end it with Tom. And it kind of comes to a head one hot afternoon. Yeah, they plan this, like, luncheon. Yeah. Uh, with where... uh, Nick and Jordan there to sort of be, like, buffers. buffers yeah. yeah. Witnesses, buffers. Yeah. Someone to hold whomever back. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's kind of what I think was involved there, was to make sure nothing's too explosive, because there are people there. Right. Um, and so, they're complaining it's too hot 
in their breezy house on the bay, so they end up driving into New York <laughs> to get away from the heat. Yeah, a thing you pointed like out, and I was like, yep. that's really stupid to do. Yeah, but, it's not like they went from a place that did not have air conditioning to a place that did. They went to a place, yeah, again, away from the breezy bay, theoretically, into the middle of fucking Manhattan, to like a top floor penthouse, you know, suite. Um, and the only upside, I think, is they had ice. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, the upper floors of places are breezier. Closer to the sun, Allison. Oh, that's true, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, in in doing that, there's, like, a whole car switcheroo thing where Gatsby, again, has, like, a very um, obvious uh, yellow sports car. Yeah, it's a roadster kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, the Indiba had the actual, like, car name. Oh, I have it right here. It's, uh, it's, uh, 1922 Who Gives a Shit. Yeah. Well, the other thing is they couldn't get the one they really wanted because they're so rare, so they got a different, uh, version of the car and then outfitted it to make it look like the other car. Okay, all I'll (laughs) say is that it looks like a car like Dick Tracy would drive in the Dick Tracy movie. Like, it's that kind of, Yeah, sure. Yeah, your your you know your old school yeah roadster whatever with the running boards and stuff and the little spare tire tucked up over the other tire. Yeah, or like yeah. a like a car from uh, the Batman animated series. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um. So. But it's bright yellow. Yeah. Well, so Gatsby's is yellow. Um. Tom has one. A similar car. It's very similar, but is blue. And he he specifically says that his is a coupe. Okay. I don't know. I don't know from cars. He says it. I know if it's a if it's a coupe, it's he says coupe. I'm telling you what he said. Okay, it was in the movie. Coupe is a two door versus a sedan is a four door. He said a coupe. Okay. Don't know what to tell you. I don't ask me. Ask I guess F. Scott Fitzgerald. I didn't pick up on that line. So in going into the city, uh, Tom and Nick and Jordan are all driving in Gatsby's car. And Gatsby is driving with Daisy in Tom's car. And Yeah, Gats- this is all some psychosexual cuckoldry. Yeah, I know. Where don't- he's like, take my wife in my car to the city. And it's a, it's a weird power play. Yeah. It, it, it's like, a, look, how, look how much, um, like, look how much rope I'll give you. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what it is. It's like, I'm going to let you go unchaperoned in my car with my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as like a, as yeah, like a psychosexual thing to be like, but she's still mine. The car is still mine the same way she's still mine. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, and I'll drive your fucking bright ass yellow thing. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you know, don't have that much gas and stuff. So while they're driving into the city, Tom makes a pit stop at Myrtle and Myrtle's husband's shop to buy more gas. Wilson. He calls him Wilson. It's Wilson. his last name. Sure. It's their last name. Sure. But, uh, yeah, he calls yeah. him Wilson. Yeah. Um, Stops he, to buy gas. Yeah, so Wilson is... Myrtle sees the the yellow car and Tom driving it. Is yes, the, yeah, yeah. Is the important takeaway from that. Yeah, I just want to mention um, uh, Wilson is played by Jason Clark. He's yeah. uh, a character actor. He's been in a lot of stuff. He's been around. You might know him. Anyway. I don't know if we mentioned, but Myrtle is uh, Isla Fisher. Yeah. Is it Isla? I, I, Isla. Or Isla? Isla Fisher. I'm, I, that might be right. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's not here. Hey, Isla, if you're if we're pronouncing your name incorrectly, please uh, write in. Yeah, sure. We're gonna get a letter from Sasha Baron Cohen, an email. It's like you pronounced my wife's name wrong. Yeah. <laughs> They're married, and he was Borat. That's how that joke works. <laughs> <laughs> 
All those things are true. Everything I just said is true. That's why they, that's why the joke works like that. <laughs> so they end up in a hotel in New York. They have a big fight about whether or not Daisy's going to leave Tom in that Gatsby and Tom are fighting about whether or not Daisy's yeah. going to leave Tom. Daisy's just kind of there. Right. As they're is both, everybody else. They're both speaking for her, but she's not trying to speak for herself, which yep. also frustrated me as much as fucking Nick just being like, I'm just going to sip my drink, Mr. J. Jonah Jameson. Over the course of this argument, Gatsby loses his temper, and it's kind of the first time that he acts, you know... Poor. Yeah, any, anything <laughs> other than, like, perfectly, you know, well-heeled. Yeah, and, civilized, you know, yeah. and, yeah. Yeah, so he ends up being... And it's of, a real, yeah, it's a real, like, oh, look how the poor people act. Yeah. Like, like violent mm-hmm. animals, like... Mm-hmm. It's me, Tom, passive-aggressive waspy fuck. Yeah. They're all waspy fucks. Yeah. So then, everybody's upset, and they end up driving back, and this time, Gatsby and Daisy are in Gatsby's car, and Tom and Jordan and Nick are all in... Blue car. The blue car. Yeah. And the yellow car, as it's going by, Myrtle's breaking up with her husband. Yeah, he... Or rather, he... He insinuated when they stopped for gas on the way up... Yeah. ...that he knew something was up... With her, that she's been stepping out. Yeah. And you're not sure. You're not sure from the way it's staged and everything if he's trying, if he's telling Tom, like, I know it was you or what. And Tom's too distracted to even pick up on any of it anyway. Yeah. So he just is like, all right, I'll see you later. And he throws him money and he drives off. So on the way back, having seen Tom driving the yellow car, Myrtle sees the yellow car coming and is like, oh, that's Tom. He'll save me from this, you know, fight. Where, yeah. where like, Wilson is, like, pressing her face up against the window and shit. And, you know, it looks like it's getting physical. Yeah. Um, so she runs out in the road to be like, Tom, Tom, you know me. Tom, stop. And uh, the yellow car hits her. Kills yeah. her. Yep. And then following behind... Uh, blue car. Blue car, yeah. Tom stops because it seems like there's something going on. Yeah, well, the cops are actually, like, roadblocking and being like, everybody yeah. slow down. There's some commotion up ahead. And then he sees, like oh, it's something at Wilson and Myrtle's garage. And then he goes in and realizes that, like, Wilson is inconsolable, you know, and mm-hmm. it's Myrtle and she's dead. He's briefly questioned by police. Yeah. That's when he says coupe. Because he's like, and what color yeah. is your car? You know, the, the yeah. cop. And he's like, it's blue out there. Coupe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's basically like, oh, you know, I know the guy that has that car. Because for a second, and he kinda Wilson is going to be like, you were driving that fucking car and you, yeah. you know, you, you came back to the scene of the crime. And he's like, yeah. I just pulled up. I ju-, you know, he's like, it wasn't me. It's not yeah. my car. You know, he also convinces Wilson that Gatsby was the one that Myrtle was sleeping with. Yeah. He kind of, he's like, he throws yeah, some he, like he, other people's wives thing right, in there. He heavily implies that. Because it's, it's a freebie on, on sure. in Tom's point of view. When Wilson is like, you think he's the one that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah he's like, could be. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, yeah, uh, sh- sure thing, bud. Like, yeah. it's it's like, oh, cool. I'm... Yeah. They get back to the house. Nick finds Gatsby kind of lurking. He is out. straight up so, lurking. Yeah. And, you know, and he's like, you know, oh, my God, like, you know, what happened and stuff. And Gatsby's, like, trying to tell him about the accident and lets it slip by accident that Daisy was driving. He was trying to play it off like he was, like, he's trying to take the heat for her, basically. But, like, he yeah. has, like, a little Because he slip. also thinks that he's rich enough to be untouchable. Right. Which he and probably he is. protect her. He, you know, slips up and stuff. And Nick's like, you know, she, she was the one it. driving. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's basically she was all fucking, you know, pissed off after this argument about who she's going to, you know, spend the rest of her life with and she's going to leave her husband and all that. And she thought that driving would help, like, settle her nerves, calm her down. Yeah. And uh, it turns out it didn't. Yeah. Yeah, he keeps expecting her to call. Yeah. Get, she doesn't. This is when we get the thing. It's, it's teased earlier, but really, like, fully explained now. That Gatsby is this, like, font of hope. He's, uh, you know, that's why I refer to him as a hopeless romantic. He is, like, infinitely bright-siding things. um, Where he's like, she'll definitely call in the morning and explain. She just needs to calm down. Like, she needs to get a good night's sleep, and then she'll call and explain that she was driving and take full responsibility. Yeah. And, you know, he might not even really believe it, but he kind of, he wants to. He's trying to, you know. Right. He's a self-made man. I mean, very possibly the Daisy he's in love with would, but that doesn't mean that right. it's anything to do with the no, real person. because <laughs> he hasn't seen her in five years. Right. Up until recently. Right. And I mean, even then, they had like a very short thing. Because So basically, he meets yes. Daisy Yes, right let's before. talk about his backstory. Yeah. He was in the army. He was poor as, yeah. poor as poor dirt. Poor child, son of farmers. Yeah. In what, the Dakotas? Uh, Idaho. He's somewhere. Some dirt farm yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Real blue milk situation. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's a star war he decides he wants to make something of himself he even like rescues a millionaire as a teenager and thinks that that's going to be like his ticket out but you know because he kind of becomes like this guy's like i don't know ward and you know that's kind of where he learns a lot of his like crime fighting Uh, that's where he gets, you know, he picks up old sport from that. Yeah, I, I I dropped that at the top of the show, but yeah, um, DiCaprio says, that's the drinking game for this fucking movie, is drink whenever he's, anybody says old sport. It's constantly. Yeah. Um. Oh, unless you want to get real wasted, then drink whenever somebody's drinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is set during the roaring 20s, and that's why they were roaring. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's always like, yes, old sport, uh, but he says it like that, like, it's weird coming from. Well, yeah, it's a it's a mid Atlantic accent, but in it's a way not. That's just it's it's mostly DiCaprio's normal speaking voice, right? And then Old Sport is accented, right? Kind of. Yes, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, is yeah, that yeah. It's it's only in that, and that's because yeah, it's it's, it's, it's the, like if it's... I was like, hey, Allison, Old Sport, I you know, and yeah. like just kept talking in my normal voice, right. and then would drop this in, right? And at first, I was like, oh, this is weird as shit, and I don't, but. As the movie progresses and like his backstory, I was like, "Oh right, like it's, it's all it's totally all a put an on." Expectation. Yeah. So I was like, "Yeah," I was like, "That actually kind of works yeah. in a way." And I don't know if it was a choice or if it's like a lucky break, because like I've never really heard DiCaprio do accents. I think he does an accent in Blood Diamond, but I've never seen it. Oh, I haven't seen Blood. It's a uh, South African, so I think Ooh, he's. No, I think he's yeah. doing. Yeah, I've never yeah. seen it, but I think that he's doing an accent in that. But I don't think I've ever seen him do an accent in anything that that comes to mind anyway. So I was like, maybe he's just not a guy that can do accents because not everybody is like, yeah. um, I am. Right. So Boz, if you're looking for anyone to do anything in any movies, I can do a lot of accents. Don't cast me. I'm bad. Yeah. Allison's pretty good. Oh, Allison. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> How's your Swedish accent? Ugh. Not the very good. It's <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> Uh, this is like a long time running joke with us. It is. And it's very good. It's yeah. a good accent. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I just thought maybe he wasn't an actor that could do accents. And then I was like, no, it kind of works to sell the 
put upon yeah. or put on nature of all of that. Yeah. Like that's kind of fucking great. Yeah. It's like legitimately kind of genius. Yeah. And I don't know if it was a choice or lucky break. It's either way, it's great. Yeah. So I'm sorry, yeah, continue. That wasn't his ticket to riches because after the I forget who the millionaire is. These yeah, days, but, you know. but that guy like took yeah. him around, and he, you know, sh- yeah. they they toured Europe, and so he did get a lot of culture, right? And he, you know, he was hoping he would inherit money, but I, then I the guy's family. I think it's implied that the yeah. guy was like, "Oh, you're, I'm going to give you my money." Like, yeah, we're, oh, sure. yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, we're besties. Yeah, and um, that didn't pan out, right? And then, but it turns out the family, you know, yeah. lawyered him out of it. Yeah. So then he meets Daisy, but. And falls in love with her, but well, he can't do anything about it. He's because... in the military. Oh, he is in the military. Sorry. Yeah, he's yeah. in the military, and uh, he goes to a party thrown at Daisy's family. Oh, and actually, that's him coming back from the war, yeah? Uh, I think so. Okay, so yeah, so he he goes to war, comes back, meets Daisy, falls in love, but realizes he can't do anything about it because she's from a fairly wealthy family, right. and he has no money. Yeah, but this party is for... Like the military, you know, this regiment that returned or whatever. Yeah. So in their uniforms, everybody yeah, looks the same. same. You can't tell who's poor. Yeah. That's that's a very like that one was that hit really hard. I was like, shit, that's dark. Like yeah. it's yeah. Um and so, you know, she could fall in love with him because she thought, Oh, you know, he's yeah. he's a rich guy like me. Like yeah. whatever. Um and he was like, Well, I'm not. But like I've come this close. Yeah, I and think he, he kind of disappears on her, and then two years after that, she's going to get married, and he sends her a letter that basically explains, like, hey, I left because I don't have any money, but I will. I think he went back to... Maybe maybe the party wasn't after they returned. Maybe it was when he was getting deployed. I don't know, because I thought the letter was the thing that arrived, like, on her wedding day, and that was, like, her getting cold feet and stuff, but then she ends up marrying him anyway. Yeah, but I think there's footage of him, like, them exchanging letters while he's like in a foxhole or something like it's him pulling letters out of his pocket oh maybe so i think he they were writing while he was like deployed and then he never came back you know they they make a big deal out of him being an oxford man you know yeah as part of nobody knows him nobody knows his backstory and he keeps oh, yeah, it pretty there's a lot of crazy rumors right. about how like you know oh he's like a high-ranking german official yeah, he's or something. Ka- the kaiser's hired assassin like yeah. all these weird you know it's just because people talk and yeah. um you know, they're like, oh, he's, a, he's an Oxford man. And the truth is he went there for like a few months because it was a privilege that Oxford allowed military, you know, men. But he couldn't stay there because he wasn't wealthy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he left. Uh, so, you know, there are photos. There's a photo famously of him at Oxford with a bunch of people who are all hoity-toity fucking, um, you know, the sons of fucking, you know, counts and things. Yeah. And um, he also has like medals of distinction from various countries from his war service and it all seems like bullshit when you find out that his backstory isn't real except that it probably is all true right like all that stuff is true right um he just didn't have the money the whole time right he just wasn't he wasn't rich before that happened right he just happened to be like the world's greatest soldier he's basically captain america (laughs) the way he ends up making money is basically running speakeasies out of a bunch of drugstores. Yeah, bootlegging. Yeah. And... Just like the Kennedys. <laughs> that's and, fucking, yeah. that's like on the books. That's not even me being like, here's something I heard. Yeah. It's definitely true. Yep. And what... yet he's looked down on it here, even though when the Kennedys do it, they're one of America's greatest political dynasties. Mm, just the one. Yeah. 
Just the one. The rest were kind of an embarrassment. The one was a bootlegger. The one was president. Everybody kind of liked him because he died young. And then the rest of them Uh, were kind of an embarrassment. Bobby would have done better if he hadn't also gotten killed. Yeah, I guess. He was a pretty moderately popular Yeah, but then there's Ted. Oh, you know. (laughs) Can't all be winners. Yeah. Some of them are the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, wait, 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 okay. So, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man is the Ted Kennedy of Spider-Mans. Oh, I think that's my thesis now. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, now he actually is rich. It's not like he's doing anything. No, it's just illicit. Yeah, it's illicit without being, like, shitty illicit. Yeah, yeah, think. he's not a murderer or Yeah, he's, he's not a murderer. He's not running a Ponzi scheme on anybody. It's just that, like, No, there's you know, no apes to be gone. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's like he's the government made alcohol illegal, which everyone agreed was dumb. Yeah. And he was just like, oh, I can get you some alcohol. Um, there's a great line before, because I forgot about that, as a, that that was his fortune. Um, mm-hmm. There's a great line before they reveal that that's his business is selling alcohol uh, at, at drugstores, like if you know what to ask for, that kind of thing. When they're going to do the car switch. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Tom, I don't know if my car has enough gas. And he's like, well, I can pick up some more. He's like, I'll just stop at a drugstore. He looks him in the eyes and he's like, I hear you can get just about anything at a drugstore. And I was like, did I miss something? And I had, yeah. they had not, they had not dealt that out yet. And I was like, oh, that, that they, pays off well. They imply it a little bit earlier. Yeah. Did I miss but, that? Yeah. Yeah. Because of like who he knows and stuff. And, and, and they, they talk about like him and that guy that him and Nick meet at the, uh, Wolf, uh, Wolfsham, yeah, at Wolf, the, Wolfheim or something something like that. Yeah. But yeah, that guy that they meet at the, um, barbershop speakeasy is a known bootlegger. And so then later when it's like, oh yeah, Wolfsheim and Gadsby bought a bunch of, uh, pharmacies together. The implication is that they were there for bootlegging until later on it's said explicitly. See, I didn't pick up that he was a bootlegger. I knew he was into something. Oh, okay. Illicit. Like, yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, it's something illegal or off the books or something, but yeah. I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be, like, gambling or what. Well, so, there was also some talk about, like, brokerage kind of things, Well, yeah, too, then they're, yeah, then they're doing which, some Wolf of Wall Street shit. Yeah. Where they're trying, they're talking about bonds and maybe trying to get uh, Nick to do something. It's never laid out explicitly what that is because Gatsby can tell right from the jump that Nick's not going to go for it. Right. He sort of is like, so you work on Wall Street, right? He's like, yeah, but I, uh, you know, I'm a good uh, upstanding citizen. I would never do anything illegal. And he's like, okay. And he just never pushes it. Yeah. But it, it feels very Wolf of Wall Street, which is also Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Another, I'll throw it in here because we're talking about kind of tangential connections to Leonardo DiCaprio films. They do a thing in this movie that they also do in The Aviator. I think it works better for me here, but I, I liked it in The Aviator. But the, um, the tint... And the colors that they use in the film are very of that era. Um, so there's a few exceptions, you know, here and there and whatever. But especially, like, when they're in New York, mm-hmm. it has a very, like, aqua and orange color palette to most things. Mm-hmm. Um, which was what Technicolor looked like at the time, kind of. Oh, that's smart. Um, and they do a thing, because the aviator is also, you know... Well, I thought the aviator, they went through different phases because it's also about film. At, well, because Howard Hughes was yeah. in film. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. it's more relevant. Sure. And there's more eras depicted in yes. it. It starts off, like, fully, like, um, sepia, kind of, like, yeah. one tone, and then, like, adds more color, and the color is specifically, like, tinted to represent the way Technicolor would have looked at the time in whatever era that the scenes were taking place. Mm-hmm. But... In general, like it's it's kind of they, in this they use it the way Steven Soderbergh stylistic rather than being 
Uh, well, no, they're both stylistic. Um, well, but e- yeah, but I mean, like, but we're not jumping through time periods here. Sure, it's not divided up like sure. that. It's yeah. more the way Steven Soderbergh used um, different tinted lenses in Traffic, where like everything in Mexico was shot with an orange lens, and everything in whatever city was shot with a blue lens, and everything here was shot with green lens, or like whatever. It's just like to give it a different visual style so yeah, that it sure. did, you know it made it feel like two different worlds you know or mm-hmm. in traffic's case like three different worlds so it's like yeah yeah the mexico crime shit is this the you know american crime shit is this the american law shit is this like they all look visually distinct and this it's that new york city is a different fucking world than you know the ash heap you know is that's a totally different tint everything looks different there and then like the cape looks totally different different colors Sure. The cape is very pastel and at t- like some of it looks like a Maxfield Parish painting. Like it's, it's great. Like, um, a couple of the things that I noticed that were more comparing this to other Boz Lerman films okay. were him doing that, like kind of frenetic sequence, but he pretty much just uses it for parties, especially the hotel room with oh, yeah. and her friends, but also a little bit with Gatsby's parties. Yeah. And it's the same kind of, like, energy that you're getting in Moulin Rouge, Rouge, but with a lot more coherency because it's got slower, more reasonable things around it, and it's supposed to be a crazy party without it, you know. Right. It's It's got borders. It's got, yes. it's got yeah, a framework. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and he's doing the thing he does, which he's done, I think, in everything that we've seen yeah. to various degrees. But it'll be like... Like crazy fast paced, but then like we'll slow down this thing so you can really just take in like what what we're seeing. Yeah. Whether it's just like, oh, look, he's spraying champagne. Yeah. And you just get like a three second like pause or it's not even quite a pause, but it's just like slowed down. Right. And then like goes back to like crazy editing and like everybody's dancing. It's fast paced and, you know, cuts yeah. and whatever. And then like this thing will slow down and like he yeah. d- does that in other films. Yeah. But here it's it it felt very. Yeah, like pinpoint either for style or sometimes for emphasis. Yeah. Like again with uh you know, the Gatsby reveal. Yeah. That you were starting to talk about. Where yeah. like we're we're mostly seeing Leonardo DiCaprio's hands. He's got a distinct pinky ring that yes. he wears. Uh yeah, we and... the audience know that it's Gatsby because like he's already laid the groundwork. When Nick is talking about Gatsby, we see this hand with the pinky ring that has the JG, like, Art Deco logo that's on his gates, it's on the house, it's in the pool, like, it's yeah. his logo. We see that ring specifically, so we know, like, oh, the owner of that ring is Jay Gatsby. Yeah. And then we keep seeing it from time to time here and there, and then at the party where everybody's talking about Gatsby, then you start seeing, like... And Nick is the only one that ever got an invitation. Right. And Everybody else just shows up. Right. And the reveal uh, is that, like, you know, the guy that just handed him a, a drink has the pinky ring and we don't see it's like shot right. from like the collarbones down right. and nick is having a great time he's you know yeah. he's had a couple drinks he's real loose so he's like i hear he's the kaiser's you know nephew or whatever the fuck and you know and all this stuff yeah he's very like you know oh sorry old sport I'm yeah Gatsby, he's like, but, but nobody's it's... ever seen him and he turns yeah. around he's like i guess i haven't been a good host old yeah. sport yeah and yeah he turns around it's it's a and little slowed down and they're doing fireworks. fireworks behind him it's fucking great and yeah and it's just like a real like yeah mic drop and also of a... it's it's great casting it is because the the lines of dialogue are toby mcguire describing gatsby's smile yeah and he's like gatsby has a smile that it, it's something like you know see it, it's like very like he's my best friend ever but yeah. it's very like that you know cheers you on and something something and like 
DiCaprio gives like exactly that smile. Like it's the weirdest fuck. Like as you're hearing him describe it, you're like, that's a lot to put on a smile. And then you see DiCaprio give this face, and it's just like, yeah, you nailed it, dude. Yeah. It's it's amazing. Yep, and now it's a meme forever. Yeah, and it deserves to be. It's yeah. so fucking good. And then of course the other very popular meme from Django is also DiCaprio. Oh, the hand. Oh no! No, the, no uh, him uh, making like this kind of like scoffing face. Yeah, the stuff. Mm, yeah, 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 that one. Yeah, I was th- I forgot I was th- the the famous scene in Django where he's like slamming his hand on the table. He broke a glass and cut his hand. Yeah, and just kept going. Yeah, and ends up wipe because he's fucking a lunatic and he wipes his bloody hand on that actress. I forget who's in that scene. Wipes his bloody hand on her face, and she didn't know how to react because she didn't know. Like, are we still rolling? Is this was yeah. this supposed to happen? Like, so nobody it was knows. Very realistic shock. Yup, and like, also fucked up. Don't do that. Yeah, I don't care how method you are. Yeah, I understand the impetus. I really do, mm-hmm. because you're like, okay, this thing happened. I've got it though. Mm-hmm. He's like, I didn't fuck up my lines. I'm still in the moment. I'm still in character. Nobody said cut. We're still going. How do I make, I'm not going to be able to recreate this. How do I make the most of this? And he can't wipe it on him. His costume. On his costume because there's too much continuity. Right? But he could wipe it on her face, especially away from camera. Mm -hmm. Because it's still fucked up. And we know how fucked up it was of of a thing to do. Mm -hmm. But they can always fudge it later. Yeah. And like, that's all very smart from an actor point of view. But from a person point of view, fucking don't do that. No. Don't do that. That's your blood. Yeah, don't rub don't rub any fluids on somebody's face unless they know you're going to do it and said it was cool. Yeah. Don't do that. That's fucked up. Yeah. I don't think I'm out of line here. Yeah. Never do that. Yeah. You're not Gigi Allen. Calm the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> Is that too yeah. obscure a reference? I don't know. He was a grosso too. I guess that's all you need to know. Punk rock, <laughs> famous punk rock grosso. Okay. Interesting guy. Again, not to be idolized. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so uh, Lerman does some good, like, yeah, spacing with that. Um, oh, with the frenetic then, uh, scenes. And yeah. then also... All the party scenes in this are amazing yep, looking. Yep. And because there's time off, they're more impressive. Oh, yeah, that it's not just a big party montage. Yeah, we don't spend we do the whole movie... Times right, we don't spend the whole movie in one of his parties. Sure, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. great. The other thing that I specifically noticed is I feel like we're almost doing a little bit of a redemption for... Uh, the Romeo and Juliet lackluster car chase scene because there's a good amount of cars in this and it looks good. Those like driving sequences aren't bad. Yeah. I will say the accident scene is a little, it's it's a little stylized in a way. It's stylized. It's a little clumsily shot, I think, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's infinitely better than anything of this scale that he's tried to do. Yeah, Yeah. The car chase in Romeo and Juliet is terrible. I've said I don't know if it's budgetary or if it was just Boz Lerman. Like I said in our Australia episode, I don't think handles grand scale things. I think he handles grand scope things. So he can do all this fucking yearning. Yeah. All this like staring longingly across the bay and then the camera zooms across and there's there's a a, a vision of her childhood house in the clouds. Like all that. He can do that because it's all grand scope, not grand scale. It's all, you know. But then doing something like a car chase was maybe outside of his abilities at the time. The car chase in this yeah. is great. Better, yeah. Much better. Yeah. I think, and like all that stuff is CG augmented, if not right. entirely CG, because, right. you know, the world doesn't look like it did in the 20s anymore. You can't right. have the same kind of like pan up that you would 
uh, you know, under the fucking L in, uh, you know, in Manhattan or whatever. Yeah. Because there's buildings there now and shit. It's not, there's no Ashfield. Like, all right. that shit has to be CG rendered. So I don't know if it's all fake or if it was a soundstage, whatever. But it's handled so much better. I noticed right off the bat that he, you know, pretty early on, he does that stylized, like, you know, CG augmented zoom, like a, a, a impossible distance, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I was like, oh boy. I was like, here we go. And, and I was like, okay, that one, that was okay. Yeah. And then I was like, don't keep doing it. And he kind of does it, but never as, not not never, no. but I right mean, away, not as big. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, he's got a lot more restraint here. And I was like, yeah. this is all working. And it just kept going. And yeah. he just, like fucking DiCaprio in the fucking bleeding hand thing, like he just kept control on it. And I was like, yeah. okay. And like the whole movie, I was like, this is all still working. And yeah, I mean, DiCaprio is a great choice because like, you know, he is, uh, you know, dreamy and a heartthrob, and he is also, you know, very likable. And then he also can really tap into anger. Yeah. And these are all things that you want for this character. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, it was it was actually honestly like kind of refreshing uh, to see how like vulnerable DiCaprio plays Gatsby in yeah. a bunch of scenes. Yeah. Like not even the big scenes, just like. Well, yeah, like, there's, there's, okay, the very first time that Gatsby and Daisy are reuniting, they're at Nick's for tea, and it's a very Wait, we silly have to ex- scene. Yeah, we have to explain <laughs> that he tells Nick, invite your cousin to tea, and then I'll just walk by. And Nick is like, okay, yeah, I can do that. And He's like, oh, you gotta get your grass cut. And he kind of looks around like, what, what grass? Because the yard is like, shitty. you know, well, it's not it's... shitty, it's, it's, but it's also not like a lawn, it's like, you know, it's got those um big, like, round, like, tree segment, like stepping stone path and stuff like it and it's got like kind of a rock garden and shit stumps well it's (laughs) like yeah yeah, it's it's yeah it's a tree uh disc yeah like walkway yeah and and like and it's got like kind of a rock garden with some like shrubbery in it but it's not like manicured manicured it's just sort of like a broken bird bath yeah and so he's like you have to get the lawn taken care of and he's like or the grass he's like what grass like who gives a shit the next day he Nick, wakes up and there's yeah. an army of landscapers <laughs> yeah and they're out there fucking completely overhauling the the place and then every florist in you know in the fucking world shows up with all these goddamn flowers and it's whole it's it's funny watching them all come in it's raining and so there's like a guy carrying a gigantic bouquet of um i don't even know what kind of flower but this gigantic bouquet of flowers and then there's a a second guy who's just holding an umbrella over the flowers Yeah. Uh, for every one. And there's like 20 of them. And then there's a guy carrying an umbrella over Gatsby and, you know, Gatsby comes up and he's visibly nervous mm-hmm. and he stands next to Nick and he's like, yeah, you know, he's like, this is going to go well. Like what? I, and you're just like, I was like, Oh, he's not playing it super cool and suave. And I was like, that's a good choice. And yeah. then as the scene goes on, it becomes like a fucking like farce. Yeah. It's straight up like it, it, DiCaprio does physical comedy. Yeah. Which, like, I don't think I've ever seen him do, really. Yeah, I don't know. It's fucking, it's good, yeah. too. It's not, honestly, there's not enough of it, because, I mean, it doesn't, yeah. the story doesn't call for it. Yeah, but... he, he breaks Nick's clock. <laughs> and it just, like, kept just happening. Just by being too nervous, that, yeah. like, this part snaps off of it, and then he can't get it to seat again, and it's just... Yeah, uh, and it keeps boy. happening, and it just kept being funny. Yeah. Um, and the shot of, the, the reveal shot of what Nick's fucking parlor looks like. Yeah. Is it looks like Jumanji happened. Yeah. Like, it's incredible. Yeah. It's I, very funny. I, I wrote a note saying an absurd amount of flowers. And as soon as I finished writing that, Tobey Maguire has a line of like, do you think you brought enough flowers? Yeah, yeah. 
And yeah, like at one point Gatsby's kind of like losing his nerve. So he kind of ducks out the back when Daisy arrives and then comes around the front. And now he's like soaking wet, soaking wet. It's so stupid. It's great. He's in like a white linen like suit. Yeah. And I don't know how more of that wasn't see-through. I guess just that costume was really on point. Yeah. Yeah. It's a film. That's yeah, how he's, you know, very soaked and Nick kind of coaxes him back inside. Right. And now and also like, trying to act casual about yeah. it. Like and he has no line of like, oh, I've got locked out of my house or hello, yeah. neighbor Nick. Like he just comes in and is just. Yeah, he's like, I- I'm going. And Nick's like, no, you're not. Come in. Yeah. And then he forces them to talk and they're both super awkward and like sipping tea and not making eye contact. And I like that Nick just goes like, well, I have to go into town and. <laughs> And just hides outside. Yeah, Gatsby's like, I need to talk to you for a second. And he's like, he's like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going into town. He's like, you're going to town? He's like, well, no, but you need to talk to her. He's like, no, I can't be here. He's like, you're nervous. She, You're, you're embarrassed. Yeah. She's embarrassed. Just go talk to her. And it's, I was like, oh, this is Nick being assertive. Yeah. And then he kind of steps it back after that. But yeah, the, it yeah, just cuts just to... Yeah, it's just one moment of actually, like, being, you know, present, a catalyst. And I think present in events, yeah. Yeah, I think it's like, well, you, you asked me to do you this favor, so I'm doing you the fucking favor. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and yeah, it cuts to him under the tree, just out in his raincoat, just yeah. like waiting for a while. Um, I thought you also wanted to talk about the teapot. <laughs> Dude, I love, I love Nick's teapot. <laughs> I've never once been like, oh, I want this specific, like a tea set. It's like an angular chrome tea set. The teapot's like an octagon or yeah, something. It's, dude, it's fucking wild. To me, it looks like a tea set of like... In the twenties, if you were going to, you know, the, well, the it, world's fair, well, that's it's what like it is. the wave of the future or whatever. It looks yeah. like the tea set Zardoz would have. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's fucking yeah. great. Yeah. Um, I'll have to try to get a photo of the tea set. It's I don't know why I was just like, holy shit, that's a great tea set. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's awesome. Damn. Again, I like tea, but like I just drink it out of mugs. <laughs> you yeah. know, nothing nothing fancy, but damn. Yeah. Damn, did I want that tea set? Yeah. There's a lot in here that's, yeah, just very Oh, the design attractive. work is all, yeah. yeah. Everything looks great. The costumes are great. Yeah. Everybody's suits are great. There's all these nice, like, deco touches on things. Like, yeah. a lot of times, because Nick frequently wears, like, a bow tie, not a, not a necktie. Right. And, like, his bow ties have all these nice little, like, details and flourishes in them. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of great stuff like that. Ah. A lot of pocket square porn. Yeah. <laughs> the a one guy's got a molar tie pin. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> Wolf, Wolfsheim or whatever. Yeah. yeah, he's got that. Yeah. A molar type in. Um, one thing I liked stylistically is that since this is you know based on a novel and it's a it's an old old timey kind of talky talk novel, you know it's a lot of description, a lot of the narrator. Lerman pairs a lot of that dialogue just like as narration over things that are happening at the same time. Yeah. Without rela- without like needing to see the actors still saying all the lines, so like. Gatsby and Nick are driving around at one point and uh, Gatsby is laying out his sort of backstory without going into his actual origins, but just like, you know, I went to Oxford and I did this and here's my Medal of Honor and all this shit and blah, blah, blah. He's doing that. And we're seeing Gatsby like speeding around town and you're just getting all this like local color stuff. There's like other cars on the road, you know, it's him like swerving around, you know, cars because his car is, uh, you know, specially made super fast and all this shit. It's like the Batmobile. Yeah. It can go almost 50 miles an hour. They don't say that, but that was my, my joke. Yeah. Because cars used to be slower. But yeah, and like... It's very funny, actually. And <laughs> it is. It's very funny. It's very funny. Golf clap. You know, they weren't sure that uh, women should be in cars because they thought that it might make your uterus fly out. 
Is that not true? No, fuck off. We've sent women to space. Well, I just assumed that they left their uteruses here and picked oh, them up when they I got see. back. Yeah, and safekeeping. Yeah, like um, yeah, like those little uh, lockers at the train station where you take the key with you. Well, yeah, like you put your dog in a kennel while you go on vacation. You come uh, back and get it. Fuck out of here. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> now, what are you saying? No, I just, I liked that, all that, like, sort of, it's not quite montaging, but, like, mini-montaging yeah. that he did. I, I think it, like, it works really well. Like, you see, like, talk, they're talking at a party, and you just see a lot of other shit that's happening at the party. Or, uh, actually, at the, at the speakeasy, at the barbershop speakeasy. They're having, oh, yeah, they're, they're having like their a conversation. Whole, uh, like, you know, go-go dance thing go. There's also, the music in this is interesting, because um, it's, I think. I think it's like a lot of like uh, Jay Z. Yeah. And um, what's her face? Lana Del Rey. Ah, yeah. And famously, uh, Jack White mm-hmm. covered Love is Blindness. Mm. That was like the big single from this. Nice. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, like, you know, it's it's done with elements of what would be era appropriate music used as samples. Yeah. The, the Jay Z stuff is like a remixed into yeah. these like roaring 20s like mixes, yeah. which is kind of cool. Yeah. Lana Del Rey, I think, is. So, first of all, it's. I also think some of it is remixed a little, but also they work her music into the score. Oh, yeah. They work like her chords for that into it. And her, like, vocally. She doesn't sound far afield from what you'd hear at the time, yeah. so you don't have to remix it as much. And the same thing with like that Jack White cover, which I think plays over the car accident. Oh, okay. Or the aftermath, maybe. But that also, like again, his vocal and pre- style and presentation isn't terribly far afield from that, mm-hmm. so like it doesn't completely seem out of place. You know, yeah. it all works. It was really interesting. I liked it a lot. Um, yeah, all the, the Jay-Z, like, remix stuff I really liked. Um, yeah, that was good. Um, but, yeah, at the speakeasy, there's, you know, they're having their conversation about whatever the fuck. And it's just showing, like, and over here, this is happening. And there's, you know, some dancers doing this. And, like, this guy's getting a shave. And this guy's fucking getting beer. You know, whatever. Yeah. You know, shots of the bar where there's stuff that looks like Barbasol. Yeah. and it's <laughs> But, yeah, it's all just, like, this yeah. mini montage of, like, what's going on. So you're getting visual storytelling yeah. while they're having these relatively boring conversations. Yeah. And so it's it's also that, you know... But they're not... The, the you're l- not seeing what they're talking about depicted. It's, right. Yeah. But, yeah, and it's the, the Lerman desire for visual excess, but actually put in a way that's more coherent. Yeah, that works. And yeah. there's also a great thing when they leave the fucking um, Cape House on the hot day and they go to New York. Before you ever cut into the penthouse apartment... Uh, you just hear the guy chipping ice yeah. for like, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds. But it's just, just this chink, shink, shink, like, you know, this like tension, like yeah. ratcheting up. And I was like, I know what it is because they've also, I think they might cut to like it once. But yeah. then it's just like the city, the skyline, the street, this, that, like, and you just keep hearing it. Yeah. And I was like, boy, that's great. That's like yeah. really, really good. Yeah. Because we're, we're also going from what was sort of a scenic drive yeah. Into what is now, like, yeah, a, a pretty explosive sequence. Yeah. Yeah, this is, like, the emotional climax of the story, really. Right, right. Everything so, else after this is aftermath. Like, yeah. it's it's the so fallout that from transition this. transition that way is smart. Yeah. 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 Well, the other thing I was going to say is that, like, this also inspired a lot of, you know, uh, 1920s uh, fetishizing and, and parties and stuff. And, like, yeah, it's it's... And, and it's because it's a very beautiful movie, but yeah. it's also very much missing the message. Like it is, it's kind of condemning 
the this wealth and excess and the pain that it can cause or that it allows you to do to other people or whatever yeah i don't know i never since i didn't do it in school i never really thought critically about what the message of the great gatsby is well i mean like nick pretty much puts a button on it where he's like you know oh yeah they're you know the buchanans are like fucked off at the end of this and stuff and he's like you oh, know, yeah, and they went off to go be careless with somebody else's lives yeah yeah you know? and it's it's that like level of disdain and he has also learned a big thing that gatsby you know believes is that like because nick tells him you, know, you can't you know you can't live in the past you can't return to the past um because gatsby keeps talking about how he had it you know he had it all mm-hmm. it's very much the could have been a contender is that that on the waterfront but it's very you know it's very much that kind of like thing where you know maybe it's like a midlife crisis like sort of uh angle but it's like you know everything was ahead of me and i had all this potential and now you know i mean now like the 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 girl who spent five years building up an empire to impress and be worth you know worth it to um which like that's a whole red flag (laughs) on its own right she might not run away with him uh, like she wants to, and he was, you know, less than willing to, but would now. Mm-hmm. And also, she's murdered someone. Yeah. And he might have to take the fall for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's unclear, mm-hmm. you know, at like at that time, and um, you know, and all this. But he, you know, he keeps saying like there was there was a time when I, I, I almost had it, mm-hmm. and now he sees it all slipping away, which is very much what happened to Tom. Like at one point, he says like. Tom saw his wife and his mistress, you know, both slipping away from him because Gatsby was going to theoretically run off with the wife and Wilson was going to take his wife, Tom's mistress, and they were going to move. I mean, even before then, to discuss Tom as a character a little bit more, um, he gets introduced as the rugby player at one of Gatsby's parties and keeps talking about how pissed off that, he, that that's his, like, like, he doesn't want to be known as the rugby player. Yeah, he player. keeps saying, like, I don't want to be the rugby player. Right. And yet, when he first meets Nick, he's showing off all his trophies and stuff, because, like, yeah. that's, like, the thing he did. And then he hasn't really done, like, he peaked I, in high school is what it is. Well, yeah, and I also, I guess that's also representative of relative station. He sees himself as better than Nick, higher than Nick socially, so he can be like, look at all these things I've accomplished. But with somebody like Gatsby, he wants to be seen as an equal, not as something dismissible as the rugby player. Sure. You know, he wants he wants Gatsby to know his name. Yes. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um I also like I think it's uh Jordan because uh, he keeps saying like I don't want to just be the rugby player, you know, and she goes, Well then do something else. <laughs> Which is good. She has another good line. Wait, I wrote it down. Yeah. Uh, she says, uh, I like large parties. They're very intimate. Oh, Small yeah. parties have no privacy. Yeah. That's very good. I, I forgot about that. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's that's funny because it's true. Because that's... It's, it's a little Oscar Wilde-y. It is. Yeah. Um, but then also, having gone to some ragers in my 20s, uh, a lot of, like, the, you know, big download at the end when we'd go back to our place after being out somewhere was, like... Okay, so what did everybody get up to? Because sometimes we'd be in different rooms doing completely different shit. Yeah, that's what she's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, oh, you know what? I saw this band, and it's like, well, I, you know, went on a five-round beer pong winning streak, so I was in there for quite a while, and, you know. I killed a man. Yeah, you know, stuff like that. 
Once I had a snake put on me. Yeah? Yeah, it was uh, the one that looks like the poisonous one, but it's not the poisonous one. Uh, corn snake and... King snake? Is that right? I don't know. Well, it was whichever one of those is not the poisonous one. Well, it's not the... the I believe the corn snakes are poisonous. Okay, so it's yeah. the other one. Yeah, okay. One's, I don't remember. One's red with black stripes, one's black with red stripes. Or whatever, or yeah, I yeah. don't know. But yeah, it was it was that. It was, yeah. Sure, sure. Either yeah. the corn snake or the other one, but... Yeah. They um, told me it wasn't the poisonous one. Yeah, yeah, because I was like, oh, I don't know, I've never really held a snake or anything. Like, I held lizards. Mm. Uh, a friend of mine, when I was in grade school, a family ran a pet store, and they had, like, a very old iguana. Yeah. Um, so I held that thing. That was cool. That was fine. But I never really held a snake. And um, this friend of mine was like, oh, yeah, they're cool. I'm like, it's fine here. And took it out and just without asking me, put it like on my collar. Uh-huh. And I was just like, mm, I don't know how I feel about this. And then the snake was very chill and like went to sleep. Yeah. Like looped itself across my shoulders a few times and just laid there and it wasn't choking me or biting me or anything. So I was like, this is fine. And yeah, she was like, I think the snake likes you. I was like, it's all right. I can get, I can get used to this. Be, I'd be like Ace Ventura, but less transphobic. <laughs> My my brother worked at a pet store as one of his like first jobs, and oh, yeah. uh, him and his friend used to try and freak me out with different animals. Except that animals don't freak me out. Yeah. So like, I've held like some of the large rats. Yeah, I've rats are fine. Rats are great. Held ball pythons is what they had. Oh. Um, <clears throat> but the only unpleasant thing about that is that one of them started peeing when I was holding it the once. <laughs> That's okay. That same thing happened to David Letterman a lot. Yeah. Sure. Um, that's also how I washed a ferret one time. Oh, Um, I've heard that's difficult. Yes. Uh, it's like attempting to wash a slinky with fur. Yeah, they're very, uh... The front end and the back end, you can hold both of those at the same time, and the middle will be doing something completely different, and then also it's wet. Yeah. No, they're animals, but they are a liquid. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um... Also, ferrets don't really smell all that much better once you bathe them, so it was really kind of pointless, too. Yeah, so... Yep, a pyrrhic victory. They're very musky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I touched a crazy big python at the zoo, like, at some point on, like, maybe a class trip or some yeah. shit, but never really held a snake. Yeah, it's, it's the I same... had a friend who was like, oh, you don't like spiders? Well, I have a giant spider in my room, and I was like, honestly, like, I, I mean, I'm not like great put all the giant spiders in my bedroom but it's like you have it it's in a cage yeah and also it's big Mm -hmm. it kind of bothers me less because like i could punch it (laughs) theoretically like if i decided i didn't want it to be where it was i could physically fight it because it's big enough that kind of bothers me less than like the little arachnophobia ones you know because those all of a sudden it's just like oh they're all up in my pant legs and i'm dying now like that's what i don't like yeah i don't like laying laying there and being like what just crawled across my face yeah. But if it's like, oh, there's a giant thing walking across my face. Well, I can, like, put it in a headlock. Yeah. Yeah, I... That's less of a problem for I me. Have a, I have a, you know, if I'm not sure what kind of a snake it is, I'm a lot more concerned. Well, I mean, nobody in wants case... to get bitten by a poisonous thing. Right. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that's why, like, most spiders don't bother me. Um, if I came just across a snake, I'd probably I'm not good at identifying snakes, so unless I knew for sure that it was Daryl, like yeah, like a pet. That's Daryl. Yeah, Daryl. But if the I snake. like went into work one day and suddenly there's a snake where there's definitely not supposed to be a snake, I'd be kind of worried. I don't know. What if he's doing a really good job? <laughs> 
is I, I don't work at a pet store, so there should never be snakes. <laughs> yeah. Snakes upwardly mobile, which is tough for snakes. Sure, because they don't have arms or legs. <laughs> yeah, they're very yeah. generally very yeah. flat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, anyway, yeah. Do we want to talk about the end of the movie? Is there anything else that you want to talk about before the end of the movie? No, I thought from we, the previous part of the movie. I thought we had started talking about the end of the movie. Did we? Well, we didn't talk about the end of the movie, okay. which is that Jay Gatsby gets murdered. Oh, yeah. We okay. should probably mention yeah. that. He gets shot in his pool. Yeah, Wilson. Like what, LA Confidential or whatever? <laughs> Sunset Boulevard. Sunset Boulevard. That's what I mean. Yeah, Sunset Boulevard. It's. I mean, I think the shot is directly referencing Sunset Boulevard. Um, that's like a very famous thing. They did it on Breaking Bad uh, and Archer, famously. Yeah. Um, Archer is more of a direct like homage sort of thematic reference yeah. as well like the whole episode is themed around that sort of like your narrator is narrating but they're dead thing yeah um oh whereas uh, in breaking bad i it's... think south park also does it sure yeah for the uh, casa bonita episode where it's you know he's floating and stuff and then we we backtrack yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah that specific shot like the way it's framed yeah. i think it was a direct homage um yeah gatsby uh sends nick off and he's like don't worry like well because nick's like i gotta go well he's like oh nick you want to he spends all night with him yeah and then uh he's like oh nick why don't we take a you know a A dip a dip in the pool i haven't used it all summer yeah it's towards the end of the season and nick's like i gotta go to work but i will check on you yeah and gatsby's like well i'll call you after i hear from daisy Mm -hmm. and you know and he's so self-assured that that is gonna happen uh it's at least what he's at least outwardly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so then it cuts to, uh, you know, Nick at work and he's useless because he just keeps waiting for the phone to ring. And then we see, you know, Gatsby finally getting in the pool and the phone rings and it's all intercut. And I think the the drive of it, because it, it comes off a little bit different in the movie, but I think the intended outcome, this is, you know armchair quarterbacking because i'm just guessing at what the intent is is that you know he hears the phone ring and he hears his uh manservant whose name is herzog um Mm -hmm. who does not talk like Werner herzog which was a mistake (laughs) he should have talked like this sure would have been great mr gatsby philadelphia is on the line That's a, a line from the movie. Yeah, I know. I noted it because I note any time yeah, Philadelphia, Philadelphia is mentioned or seen in a film. Sometimes Chicago's on the line or whatever. Well, anything could yeah. be on the line. But yeah, yeah I specifically yeah. have a letterboxed uh, oh, okay. list of times Philadelphia Philly. and Pennsylvania is referenced or the setting. Sure. But yeah, so the, the manservant guy says like, Mr. Gatsby will be very glad to hear you've called. And Gatsby goes, Daisy, because he thinks it's Daisy calling. Yeah. And at that moment, he gets shot. But the way it comes off is that he gets shot and then is like, Daisy. Like, not that Daisy shot him, but that, he, like, he associates, like, death with... And I was like, that's a weird thing that I don't know if that was the intention. Oh, no. I, I thought it was that, yeah, he the, that, that it was Daisy on the phone, that also that she was his last thought. That's kind of what I'm getting. Like, yeah. was it a, a conscious choice on his part to be like, well, she'll, she'll be the last thing I think about? Or was it just like the last thing he thought about was Daisy because of this? But it turns out that it's Nick on the phone. Yeah. Um, Nick is calling because he hadn't heard from Gatsby and wanted to see mm-hmm. what had happened. Yeah. And I mean, so, you know, Nick's on the phone just being like, you know, 
What what happened? Is anybody there? You well, know, tell me what's going on. Because you can hear, yeah, he heard a gunshot. Well, actually, yeah, he heard two. two gunshots because, yeah, then Wilson uh, then puts the gun in his mouth and blows his yep, brains out. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. And then there's kind of a lot of the end, like it's it's you know him being like, I had to put together his funeral and all these you know all these people that came to all these parties and none of them showed up and. You know, the only people that were there were uh, reporters and vultures and all this. And, like, none of, uh, you know, Daisy or Tom or Jordan, like, none of them came. None of his friends, like, blah, blah, blah. And I was the only one that ever loved him, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the f- the final line, which actually, weirdly, I, I referenced in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the famous line of, like, and we beat on boats against the current ceaselessly into the past, right? When I read that, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. I don't get that. But something about Tobey Maguire's delivery yeah. really made it work. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it, it all sort of came together more for me than it did when I read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really good. Like, that was a, a good performance of an iconic, like, final line in something. Like, you have to really nail that. Yeah. And I think he did. Like, I think he did a good job for, again, mostly kind of being extremely passive yeah, a guy who was there <laughs> yeah and, it, and it's a good performance as far as that goes because he's not forgettable no you know constantly that he is you know present and that's yeah. the editing and the filmmaking as well it's not just performance but the form- performance is really good yeah i don't think there's a bad performance really in this i mean there's bad characters despicable right. people sure. you know but no, and like i said i found this overall like you know a lot more likable and engaging than uh than the other uh adaptation that yeah I saw. 72 yeah whatever and so throughout all the movie early on the the, the therapist uh, advises nick like well you mentioned that you used to be a writer like you should write all this down you know and he's like why for what for who he's like it doesn't have to be for anybody you can throw it out when you're done yeah, but it'll it. help you to get yeah. it out and over the course of the film, it becomes he is writing the story. Yeah, a manuscript. Yes, yeah. and it's, it's called Gatsby. And then at the end, the last second, he takes a pen and adds the great yeah. Gatsby to it. And I was like, that's cute. I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, as far as that goes, like, yeah. it's, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I think that's it. And then these really, like, awesome Art Deco titles. Oh, that's a that's a detail that I liked. Sort of like Moulin Rouge and, oh, yeah. and like, it's, Australia. It has an old-timey opening that then becomes It has, like, yeah, yeah uh, films that's all scratched up and yeah. sort of, like... Yeah, it's um, black and white and grainy. Yeah, and it also has that uh, effect, like, that iris oh, sort of effect where it's yeah, darker well, at the edges because yeah. of the way that you would develop things with, I think, silver nitrate yeah. gave things that sort of appearance yeah like it's lit from the center yeah, yeah. and um so yeah th- there's all that and then these very like nice art deco-y title cards and things and yeah uh such that's such a good detail that like honestly like i'm a sucker for every time they do shit to like the universal logo yeah where it's like like Waterworld, famously Waterworld. Mm-hmm. you watch all the continents like sink yeah you know mm-hmm. and i think fucking even like What's it? Day after tomorrow, you watch the globe freeze or yeah, whatever. Yeah, because I didn't. Um, Batman and Robin have uh, the the Warner frozen. Brothers logo is yeah. like iced over. Yeah. yeah, I'm a sucker for that. I just like it. It's it, yes, it's dumb, but it's also fun. Yeah, and I mean, like, understand. Everybody's not making a fun movie. You're not going to do a really fun thing to the credits for like Schindler's List, right? Right. Like. That's not the vibe you're going for, and that's no. fine. But if you're making a movie where you're like, I kind of want people to enjoy this, 
Yeah. Like, you could do way worse than a simple, you know, futzing with your logos. Yeah. I generally always like it. Yeah. And I loved it in this, because he does it throughout the whole thing. It's not like, here's this and this and this, these are all normal title cards, and then we do a thing. It's like, no, all of it was, you know. Mm. Yeah. It's well thought out. Yeah. It's a level of detail that I've come to expect from Boz Lerman. And, like, that's a recurring thing, at least in his... Yeah. recent works so like when this eldest movie comes out when i whenever i see this i'm gonna be waiting to see what those title cards yeah. look like like so that kind of shit he likes putting text on screen every so often especially hey to... hey, hey don't sorry the goose is here i'm sorry one second you can't rub your face on the table because the microphones are attached to it and then it makes everything vibrate and it sounds bad it sounds bad goose yeah he likes messing with uh title cards he likes words on screen especially to punctuate what i think you know are, are like Key phrases, you know, yeah. And key things. phrases, and uh, yeah, he does that a lot in this. Stuff. Yeah, and he does it in Moulin Rouge, and he, I think, does it. He does it, I think, in Romeo and Juliet, but it's more stylized. Yeah, because it's. I think he's finding in-universe things. Yeah, he's not just adding text to screen or like. Right. Yeah. Well, because also Romeo and Juliet, like he's got like the branding of the guns and stuff to yes. to match the text. Yes, exactly. And maybe there's a little bit of like text on screen with that newscast. News stuff, yeah, yeah, and whatever, and like um, like there's the Dave Paris like magazine cover. Mm-hmm. and stuff that's like man of the century or whatever the fuck it's you know like yeah. whatever that article yeah. is and so i think he does a lot with that um yeah. yeah sure yeah these are all like flourishes that he employs a lot that like i think he's getting better at yeah. like so yeah i'm excited for this yeah. Elvis thing yeah they're they're done in a way that feels smoother and you know and more more of a of a whole sure yeah, yeah. to me yeah i don't know any final notes or do you want to just vote uh, yeah, ACDC's Big Balls was written about Gatsby. <laughs> He's got the biggest balls of them all, Hunter. He does. Boy, is that true. His balls are always bouncing. Yeah. To the left and to the right. Are those the lyrics for Big Balls? Absolutely, they're the okay. lyrics for Big Balls. People, listeners don't know, Allison's favorite <laughs> band is ACD. Oh, maybe we mentioned it in uh, Maximum Overdrive, but Allison's maybe. favorite band is ACDC. She actually has a ginormous ass tattoo. Uh-huh. It covers both cheeks and right down the equator there. It's impressive. No, that's true. It's very good line work. I, I edit this. I'm cutting out you saying it's not true. You know this, right? You're aware of this, yes? Yeah. You don't make the cuts, I make the cuts. You don't make the cuts, I make the cuts. Um. Uh, but yeah, I figured you'd like that. I did. Um, any other... The other no, that's list? it. Okay. Um, I've been glancing at my notes. I think that's everything that I wanted to mention. Um, I did uh, think that this was another indoor pool, and then I realized, no, it's an outdoor pool on, like, a patio, but I thought it was an indoor pool. Yeah, it's outdoor, but it has a columns and kind of, like, um, the columns have a top, but it's open yeah. air and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they're decorative columns without it being actual, like, sort yeah. of. It's a divider they're, wall yeah, they're thing. Yeah, they're not load-bearing. They're art, art, artful. Yeah. Oh, I did like this. When Tobey Maguire gets his invite to Gatsby's, the sting is Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, that's... Yeah. And it becomes like a swinging, you know... Yeah, well, it's an organ sting, and then the organ is also diegetic. It is diegetic. Because Gatsby has a fucking organ, because of course he He has a live-in organist who is like... They say, like, some disgraced cousin of Beethoven, which yeah. is so funny, and I yeah. don't remember that from the book either. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
That's fucking hilarious. Yep. But yeah, the Phantom of the Opera sting was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I laughed heartily at that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Then it becomes yeah. a hot jazz Phantom of the Opera yeah. remix. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, the only reason I didn't, uh, or the only reason I, I noted the indoor pool was that we talked about uh, indoor pools on Legacy. And uh, Were we pro or anti? I love indoor pools. Oh, okay, yeah. I and, mean... and, and anytime we see a house with an indoor pool, I'm like, that's so cool, I love indoor pools. Sure. I think I also might have mentioned it for uh, Play Misty for me, because it's almost yeah. an indoor pool. Oh, and then um, uh, Last Action Hero. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I thought this was going to make that list, and it didn't. <laughs> nope. Close, though. I just want a pool in my living room, but, like, a real one. I don't want to, like, flood my living room. So, do you want to vote? Yeah. Okay, go for it. Oh, this is a great watch. Even if, I, I would say, like, as somebody who was, is like, it, pretty... Hate, hate Gatsby or Great Gatsby? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, like, I was, you know, lukewarm on the book, and I found this actually, like, more fun than that. So, yeah. yeah. I liked the book quite a bit, but uh, I agree. I think this is an absolute uh, Great Gatsby. Um, <laughs> it is. This was, yeah, this was again, a blast. I think it's super you know, well-made, I and mean, the performances rule. We're becoming uh, Lermanologists. Yeah. And, you know, you really start seeing those, you know, commonly used uh, tropes and... Yeah, and, moves and, tr- and yeah, themes yeah, and things. Yeah, strategies, and, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think... So far, everything we've said about Lerman, I think Great Gatsby reinforces. Yeah. Like, everything we've picked up on, like, things he likes, things he does well and seems to respond to thematically. Yeah. I think this is all there. And then also, like we said, all these moves that he's deployed here and there to varying degrees of effectiveness, I think, are a lot more finely tuned here Mm -hmm. in a way that just, like, everything worked. The, yeah. you know, stylized music, the, you know, yeah. everything. I think it all really... I mean, he loves really, a period piece, and yeah. this, you know... All really worked. Yeah. Pretty fucking good. Yeah. I'm a little sad I didn't catch this when it first came out. Yeah. Because, yeah, it, it did make a bit of a splash, but I was like, great Gatsby, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Allison, thank you for uh, recording and watching this film with me. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to do, uh, I already forgot what the next film is. Strictly Ballroom. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's his first film. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we're going. That'll be very interesting. Yeah, we're going from his most recent film, as of this recording, to his earliest feature. Yeah, so what did we do? Like. We technically did, chronologically, from his second film onward. Yeah, second, third, fourth. No, second, second third, third fourth, fourth fifth, fifth first. first and then we'll do sixth when it comes out yeah this is what happens when you don't plan a full thing out you yeah. just sort of are like we're gonna do a thing and it's gonna be this cute little button and then we're like i kind of this is an interesting uh, you know thing. we fell down a lerman hole yeah we just i mean it happens <laughs> you know um so listeners you can uh Email us at write, hate, watch, great watch. That's W R I T E H W G W at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at H W G W podcast on both those platforms. You can get us every other Wednesday. That's every, every other, other Wednesday. Wednesday on moviejohn.com. That's movie J A W N. And you can contribute, if you would kindly, old sport, to Movie John Patreon 
at patreon.com slash moviejohn. Mm-hmm. You can also get our podcasts wherever. And we would also appreciate it if you would uh, like and uh, leave us comments. Like and subscribe and comment and review and all those things. Tell your friends. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, whatever. Do all the things. Do all the good stuff that'll help more people see our podcast uh, in algorithms. And then also tell more people so that they physically have to see it. Um, I don't know. That's it. I'm done talking. Goodbye. family hated it except for the dog the dog liked that the squirrels were fatter and slower (laughs) um but this has been a movie john podcast